fundamentals and build blocks Turn to advice when I'm in that spot When I got questions and that's a lot Perfect time to hear from Rico in the box Yo, what it do? In the box, got a great man show for you guys tonight, man. Uh, I got some special guests here. Uh, been waiting to get this done. We've been talking, we've been talking about it quite a bit, um, and I'm um, glad to be back in here, man. I kind of, kind of, kind of miss doing these, man. Um, so uh, we tonight special guests we got we got Dayon Dayon music and we got Voodoo spells. Uh, Dayon man, Helen for Benoit. Uh, Wisconsin, uh, dope rapper, dope lyricist, producer, um, just the guy's the guy's very skilled uh, at what he does, man. Uh, totally one of a kind. Also, in combination to having uh, Dayon here, and actually, man, him and Voodoo Spells, man, they go back ten years. And I'm gonna let them kind of tell their stories. But Voodoo, man, uh, <laughs> dude, done had hits with Usher, Ti. Chingy, Ruben started, right? Um, and um, it's gonna be a great show tonight, man. So uh if you if you if if you haven't, if you're not tuned in, uh get tuned in. I'm gonna get ready to bring these guys in, man. And here we go. I'm gonna bring in uh I'm getting ready to bring in Dayon and Voodoo. Let's Yes, sir. Yes, hey, sir. Man. What up? What up? Glad to have you all. What's going on? Rico, what's going on? Man, what's popping? Glad to be here, man. Glad to be yes, here, sir. man. Hey, hey, I know I, that, that last night was a hard loss, man, with Colorado, bro. Man, man listen, man. That loss last night, bro, I ain't even gonna lie. I had so much going on because, you know, I was at a video shoot, and uh, this week was busy, so... I, I looked at the game. I dipped on your page in and out. Yeah, I'm like, man, I thought it was over. I seen the 29 No, I said, oh, yeah, it's over. I can lay it down. Man, I got man. up and see, and scrolled across your page. I said, what's going on? That was crazy, <laughs> bro. Yeah, that yeah. was crazy. Bro. I don't know how them cats lost up 29. Man, how how you get up 29 and 0 and, and, and lose the game? It's crazy, bro. It's crazy. Yeah, no, nah, that can't happen, man. That can't happen, bro. That was crazy. So so we so we got you here, man. Uh, 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 Helen from Benoit, uh, Wisconsin, right? Beloit, yeah, Beloit. Yes, sir. And, Just uh, like Detroit, but Beloit. And, yeah. And, and Voodoo, where you where you hail from, bro? Where you hail from? I'm originally from uh, Kankakee, Illinois, about an hour south of the Shire, Sirac. Yep. Yes, sir. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, now tonight we're gonna we're gonna get out the cuff, man. We're gonna talk about a few things, but tell me, um. Uh, damn man, what what got you in the music, bro? Like, like what when you first started doing music? Man, I got into music. Uh, first and foremost, my mom's. You know, she was like, uh, she in the music archives back home, so she right, kind of right, like right. was doing her thing. Yeah, with uh, they had a group, her and my auntie, and then my dad was doing this thing, and uh, you know, what I mean, my brothers, all of them is like musicians. I come from like a musically inclined uh, family or whatnot, so. I started, you know what I mean, gradually, uh, probably like when I, probably like around, what, 20, I would say I went real crazy with it, like 20, 2008, 2009, right when me and Voodoo met. That's when I started going real, real crazy with it. And 
know what I mean, start putting that that drive, that full drive into it. You feel me? Yeah. So 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 Voodoo man told me y'all went back two years, man. And, 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 hey, Longer and than Jeff, that. Long ten, cause cause it's twenty three. So man, we actually our first record, Voodoo was at uh get your what was it, get your game up. You know what I mean? That was in two thousand. That was two thousand nine. Man, my met around we met around two thousand nine, but our first completed album was like two thousand twelve. Yeah, he right, he right. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah so from that been, aspect, about, sure. so I say about I say about fifteen. I say about fourteen years on average. Yeah, he right. Yeah, man, hey, that's dope, man. When you can be an artist and producer, man, and y'all rock together that long, man, because the, the relationships out here be so fishy, bro. <laughs> and for y'all. Hang tough, bro. That's kind of crazy, man. But uh, also, Voodoo, like when you started, like what got you into doing music? Like when you started, like what? Why did you get into doing music, bro? I mean, my first love was actually DJing. You know what I'm saying? And I used to DJ on actual vinyl back then. The first, my first record that I bought was uh, Ice Cube America KKK Most Wanted. Nice. And um, it was a, a used James Brown record I used to scratch on. So, you know, just that combination alone back NWA kind of started a lot of things on the West Coast for me. But in general, back in that time, Ice Cube was one of my favorite artists. And that's my first actual album that I bought. And the artwork, artwork was so dope on the actual album. Mm -hmm. like one of the albums you want to hang on the wall. You know what I'm saying? So, so, so when you guys hooked up, okay, what, so what was it like? What was the, like, what was the setting? You know, like when you guys first met each other, y'all meet each other at the store, man. Y'all met through a young lady, man. Uh, y'all met at um, event. The first, the first time we met, I was doing a Super Bowl event out in Phoenix, and um, mm -hmm. Dayan's family was actually representing me at the time on some management type of stuff for some events. That I'll be. So, um, yeah, yep. So, um, his his cousin introduced me to Dayan. It was like, man, I got a, I got a cousin that's dope. And ever since then, it was like no turning back. We just instantly linked up. I was a you know a fan from Jump, and then we started doing actual music together, and just just took it from there. Mm -hmm. So, 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 take me back, um, the uh, man, your first, your actual first single that you did. What was the name of your first single, man? The first single I got is called uh, uh We Don't Play That." Actually, nah, Bun B. I had a joint with Bun B called uh, uh "Make It Jump." And then after that, I had a, a banger called We Don't Play That with Lil John, featuring Lil John and Bun B. So I was with a label, but I was with a label, you know what I mean? Uh, independent label. Uh, they was from uh, Florida. They was from like Miami area. And uh, so now, we jumped off the fence. So, so, so now, bro, you're going to have to, you got to stop right there because that's, that's a lot to unpack, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 for sure. Like, the first song that somebody do, a lot of times they do in their doggone bedroom. And they, mm -hmm. they, they, they kind of get it pressed up, but you talk about your first joint was with Bond B and Lil John. Yeah, to my first, yeah, first my official. First. That was the first yeah. official because first official. The, the Bond B joint yeah. uh, was uh, on the DJ pools. I had seen the first uh, Bond B joint, but it wasn't the official video because the first video that I saw was with mm -hmm. Lil John and Bond B, and it was um, what's the other cat from Florida? Um, oh, you talking about uh? What's the Wino name? was on the remix, so Wino. we played yeah, it with Wino. John. That's yeah, the first yeah, video I actually saw that was like the official video joint, but the Bun B was the first, I guess, pressed mm -hmm. on the actual label, but the actual video that I remember, Dayan, it was like mm -hmm. a, it was like an outside uh, pool setting, was a video shoot setting, and that yeah, was one yeah, of the first yeah. actual videos that released on Dayan. Yeah, so, yeah. So, 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 so walk me through, man, how, how you got hooked up with Bun B. Did you set that up, Voodoo? 
No, I, I didn't even know Dayan back then. This is crazy because I didn't get interested mm-hmm. in this work until later on. Like I, I had heard about him, but I have never met him in the flesh. Mm-hmm. So, 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 walk us through, Dayan man. How you got hooked up with Bun B, bro? Like, like I was, I was with a label. I was with a label by the name of uh, independent label by the name of Down Low Records. Shout out, uh, shout out Ed and shout out uh, Mike. They out of like uh, Markley or whatever. I think they from it was down in like um, uh, like Fort Lauderdale that area. So they caught wind of me. And then you know we I was living in Jacksonville at the time. I was there probably for like a year. Me and my cousins had moved. Yeah, we had moved from that because my one of my cousins was in the Navy. So uh, we had moved down there with him. And then you know what I mean they met me down there and whatnot. My cousin had already told him about me. Now, matter of fact, one of my guys, shout out Puerto Rican Los, he met him. I set them up down there, you know what I mean? And I was going back and forth, and then we end up linking. They like what I did, and next thing you know, they fly to Beloit. We uh we sit down and you, we make a deal or whatnot as far as like independent wise, and uh then we shot off to the races. They had the money, I had the music, and then you know what I mean. Due to some things, you know what I mean, it, it kind of collapsed. Shout out to them though, because they definitely, you know what I mean, uh helped my career. And then I, I took like. A year or two years in between that to destroy and rebuild and then that's when my cousin plugged me with voodoo and then we just i had to reset a little bit you feel me so i had yeah so 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 now lil john how did lil john get added to that man like is that something that uh was a lil john's track that y'all was on man or did bond b set that up or how did lil john get into the picture because lil john the, the, the he was hotter than grease fire, boy. Yeah, he was just at that at that time. At that time, he was he was just he was still right there, and he was getting ready to turn that corner. You know what I mean? But he had um uh, my my label. They had the connections with that. Shout out to this uh John Wayne. They plugged all of that. I, you know what I mean? I, I'm gonna keep it real with you. They they heard what I had. They like, look, you want to do a joint? They named off so many artists that I could do uh do a joint with. I'm like, yeah, let's make it happen. And then one thing led to another. And we was off to the races, but. Yeah. So so what so what was the life of that that record that you guys did like what did it do, um and then you know because I know because in this musical journey man a lot of things happen right uh, and I yeah, know we, yeah a lot of, yeah, yeah. A lot of, a lot of sure. times we start with people and then we don't finish with them what happened because mm-hmm. I know you're independent now but like what what happened to where you kind of end up getting away from them and start doing more or less on on a different road what you know if man. if you want to share. Oh uh, yeah, no, pretty much. You know, I ain't gonna go into too much detail, but you know, I mean, it was it was uh differences between the two parties, and uh, you know, what I mean, some things that happened on their end, and then on, on on not necessarily on my end, but um, the, one of the guys who was holding the label down, he actually wanted to run with me. They was playing tug of war. They was trying to, you know, what I mean, because they signed me or whatever. But he was like, man, he'll be better over here. One of the guys I was managing the label, so he pretty much wanted me to go his way. They was playing tug of war to go their way. And I knew, you know what I mean, what they had going on, it really wasn't, you know what I mean, efficient. So we just all, I just said, no, nah, I ain't going to go. I'm loyal. So I'm going to just go ahead and disperse everything. And then I just had to, you know what I mean, destroy and reveal for like a year and a half. Met Voodoo and then we was off to the races, you know what I mean? But Bumby, I want to say this. Bumby was one of the, and I got it on one of my interviews coming up that me and Sean did. Bumby was solid when I was with him in Austin. He pulled up. We paid him his bread. He, he, we like, man, you want to go to the, well, we going to go to the studio here. You got a lab. He like, no, I'm gonna go with y'all. He left his security, jumped in the car with us, slid to a studio that my people them had set up. Didn't know where we was going, pulled up, wrote his verse right then and there in like five minutes while I got my stuff together. Boom. 
we shot up out, went to the club, performed the song that same night. It was crazy. I ain't never seen nothing like that, man. Bon yeah, B, he, he definitely solid. Yeah, solid. Bon B, Bon B, official, bro. He real, real solid, bro. Real, real yeah. solid. And I want to yeah. come back. I want to come back to that word that you talked about loyalty. But I'm gonna stick that on the wall. Voodoo, yeah. <laughs> voodoo. Like, bro. Now I, I'm a, cause I know I had a hard time getting my placements, dog. Like I, me being a session player, and um, I got hooked in, man. But, uh, bro, you you got ludicrous, bro. So you gonna so, bro, I, you ludicrous, chingy. Uh, Usher, T.I., <clears throat> we got to unpack some. Let's go back to Luda. Like, mm -hmm. bro, how how did you get, like, wh how did, what was your first song when you got on? Walk us through that, man, how that popped off. My very first official you know, national recording artist through an actual label was Capital. It was Chingy. And that was the first actual uh, placement that I got that was an official, you know, through Capital at the time. And um, that was my first platinum plaque. Out the gate, yeah, I was just blessed. Hold, hold on, stop, stop, stop for a second. Stop for a second. Yeah. <laughs> you can't just say my first platinum plaque and just keep talking, right? Like you can't. Hold up, bro. Like you gotta, you gotta unpack that. So what you're saying is your first, your first platinum plaque. Mm. That's a million records, right. right? So walk us through that. Walk us through what it was like when you know it was gonna go platinum. Where were you at? Did you lose your mind? Did you run around? What did you do? Did you spend your Man, money on bro. the whip? Like what you do? Like where were you at when? Like 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 walk us through that, bro. You got to unpack Every, it, bro. Everything everything was so surreal because like when it happened, everything started unpacking at the same exact time. So when when Chingy dropped, he was under DTP. Then right after that, Ludacris had the um, compilation album. You know what I'm saying? Uh, disturbing the peace with everybody from DTP. And that's when I had Georgia. We'll get to that later. But in general, I was signed to, to Bangladesh with Sean Dre Crawford out of Atlanta, which was Ludacris' first producer that produced Western Fantasy and um, the whole, you know what I'm saying, um, Ludacris' first album. But at the time, I was pretty much signed as a producer under him. And shout out to my, my big cuz, Meal Ticket. He was like, at my manager at the time, he was like, cuz, we can do this, but I prefer you to be your own label, be your own independent company, and we can work with this cat, but I really want you to do your own thing. So we we pretty much got out of my contract with Shondre. And Shondre, I, I give him so much love and respect because Shondre continued to go on and do crazy things. He did I'm a Diva with Beyonce. He did a Millie with uh, Lil Wayne. He did a lot of these. He did Lemonade for uh, Gucci. And uh, he gave me my first shot. But at the time, you know what I'm saying, not giving too much of the contract, I was in a situation to where I can provide him so many beats per year, and I was considered an employee. I wanted to be a boss. You know what I'm saying? I wanted to learn my, my information for myself and learn how to do the game. And so because Mill Ticket said, look, man, we got to find a way to get you out here because I can put you in certain positions. But if you sign to somebody, I can only do so much. So getting back to Chingy, Chingy was with DTP at the time, and Lucas had tracks that he already wanted for his album. But at the time, Chingy was first to release off of Capital through Capital Slash Dev Jam South. And um, when it came out, it was so surreal because I'm like, man, you know, I was honored to do a record with like major label people. But I didn't think my first joint ever placed was going to go platinum right, or gold or even no type of placement. So on Billboard, I believe that Chingy album on Billboard went top 20. 
you know, and that's, you know, I had did previous things, you know, in the music industry, but it wasn't on that major scale. Big, big shout out to my, um, one of my artists named Arrogant. We had a joint called Swing on His Ass. And that video was uh, shot in ATL. That was an independent joint that was heavy in the street, but it wasn't a major label. Right. You know, it might have been even harder than some of the records that was on major labels at the time. But a lot of these labels, they'll put you on the shelf or put you on the back burner because they don't want you to compete with their artists. And I understand mm -hmm. that. But at the time, I was working with him. And also, before Chingy even came on, I had an artist named, named Fever that had a song, a song called Motorcycle. We were signed. He was actually signed to... Uh, to black ground at the time, you know what I'm saying? Um, and so that record was released through a major label, but it never got legs. So when I say my first official placement with Capital, you know, that was Chingy, and that's the first thing that went platinum. So, like, out the gate, I was blessed to get the first release as the platinum release. So, my record was like one and zero at the time. So, so you mentioned you dropped the name, right? And you dropped the mm -hmm. name Bangladesh. Yes, right? sir. There was at one point, because like, bro, like both of y'all, I ain't got to, I'm like, this This going to be crazy, bro. I don't know how I'm going to do this. It's already, I don't know how I'm going to do this in an hour, bro, but, <laughs> but, but when you it's talk about- time to pack, man. You about to do a part two. Yeah, we got to do a part two, bro. I, I, this is going to be a part two. Bangladesh. So, I, I know you You mentioned a couple things that I kind of want to unpack a little bit before I go back to Lloyd. Stay right there, Dayan. Uh, mm -hmm. We want to talk about the loyalty piece. We want to talk about the reason why your hustle is so thorough, because that's what me and Voodoo was talking about before you got on, uh, because you get so many artists, man. They they are not legit, meaning that their work ethic is not legit. Their mindset is not legit. But before I go there, I want to come back to Bangladesh. Mm -hmm. So 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 did you did you get down with Bangladesh? Did you have a relationship or did you, you know, how was how did that fare? Like how, how did that, how, you know, what was that, you know, just. Walk us through that. No, me and Bangladesh was cool people. I didn't know him personally. I had I had a connect out in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. It was a it was a, a female that I knew out there from one of my friends that was a promoter, and she was like, "Man, I got this cat from from Atlanta that can really like boost you to the next level." He'd been working with Ludacris, and when he when I heard the word Ludacris, I was like, "Where did I sign?" You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I was just like, "Man, like I just I looked up to him, and I've always known him to be the producer that kind of boosts Ludacris' career because." Around 2000, when the fantasy came out, it was featuring Shana. Shana was from the crib, of course. You know what I'm saying? And I was just looked up to those type of artists at that time. And she was like, you want to sign you? You want to check your, check your beats? So I sent him like 30, 40 beats. And like out of those beats, he, he wanted to work with like all of them. But at the time, it, was, it wasn't him being a bad person or a bad business person. It's just that I was in, in the pool as a producer, as an as a employee. Right. And I really wasn't getting no placement. And I, I'm not going to lie. I was impatient. I was young. I wanted to get on. And, and Big Cuz was like, bro, you can wait around for Bangladesh to put you on, but I can put you on right now with Luda directly. Mm. And when when Cuz talked to Bangladesh, you know, it was it was some street politics that he had to kind of, you know, put into place. You know, right. saying nothing negative, but he's just like, fam, like, this my this my little cousin. And, you know... I appreciate the opportunity, but we're going to go our own way. Let's go ahead and dissolve this contract and make it do what it do. But Bangladesh was so cool. He was like, man, this is what we're going to do. You just owe me a track. You know what I'm saying? But unless you got your contract, no no strings attached. I'm, pr I'm proud of you. I want you to do your thing. You just owe me a track. And then from there, we just kept it moving. And also what happened was I did a track for Young Guns off of Rockefeller. It's called Same Shit, Different Day. And um, not to get too deep into the contract, I didn't receive 100% of my credit for that song, I produced that song, but Bangladesh put his tag on it, so he was 
executive producer slash co-producing. I didn't know at the time that when you produce a joint, it's not just making a beat. It's the final product that you put out. And so I had to respect that, just like how Dre had did some things with Scott Storage and other producers like Quick and stuff like that. Dre was like the, the spearheaded person who's going to have his name on it. So at the time, I was kind of sick, but after a while, I understood the executive part of it. And um, that song, you know, it didn't go far, but I can say I did a song with somebody on Rockefeller, and it's associated with Bangladesh when it first comes on. It has Bangladesh tag, but, you know, I'm considered a ghost producer on that track. Mm -hmm. But on my actual paperwork on Black and White, my name is on my contract, just not on, the, you know, the credits. But a lot of producers go through that, and I was able to get my publishing. So I really wasn't tripping because a lot of people get screwed over. Mm -hmm. so, so and that's what we're gonna that's that screwed over that phrase mm -hmm. I, I want you to hold that right there because we're gonna come back to that okay uh dayon loyalty mm -hmm. yes you sir mentioned, you mentioned you mentioned the term loyalty um what was it tell me your experiences that you had as an as an artist coming up uh you don't have to name drop because this ain't you know uh the, the platform won't have to do that but like, why is loyalty so important to you? Like, how, where does that play, man? Like, because there's really not a lot. There's some loyalty in the music business of the cats that come up together or the cats that kind of mm -hmm. grind together, but 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 the music business is real quickly. So talk to yeah, me about yeah. loyalty, man, and, and how how you kind of learn to stand on that. I mean, loyalty just, yeah, I mean, I think it's from my family roots just in general, but, you know, I mean, uh, you know, a lot of people in the game in the industry, you know, they like to jump ship and go where they think the grass is greener at. You know what I mean? I'm with riding it out. You know what I'm saying? Whoever I'm with, whatever team I'm with, I'm with riding it out until the wheels fall. And if the wheels break, we're going to find some new tires and put them on there. Because that's, you know, at the end of the day, that's what you know got your back in the industry. This industry cutthroat, you already know how it is. It's a lot of shiciness that go on. A lot of people say they can do this and do that. And I think when you tested the waters, you know what I mean? Like me being seasoned and being able to, Feel the room and uh see like I can I can kind of notice who 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 I think is like on on something different when I'm in the room. A lot of people don't know how to do that, so you know what I mean loyalty and, and respect. Both of those play a major role in the industry, especially dealing with this because at the end of the day, you know if you don't have that loyalty or that respect, you just gonna get thrown around like a excuse my word, my you know what I mean. But you you might be like a hoe in the industry, male wise or female wise, because you jump and click to click. That ain't even in my blood and my DNA. I ain't never been like that. I got the same amount of people that I'm cool with now that I've been cool with, you know what I'm saying, years back. I don't hang with different cliques and bounce to none of that. I got the same exact nucleus of people that I've been rocking with, you know what I mean, from day one. So that's how that's that's how I can explain that. You feel me? So how did you identify when you when you're probably gonna have some loyalty issues with some people, you know, because I already had it for sure. Because yeah. the music business, man, is as much like corporate America. Like it's it's uh it's like a mafia type situation. Mm -hmm. Somebody got to vouch for you. Somebody got to put you on, and then you become indebted to the person that put you on. Yeah. Because in the music business, and I say this, we all get pimped. Like how we learn how, how we learn the business yeah. is because we get ripped out of the plastic. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. You, yeah. You, 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 yeah. pimp, you know, because you got a good pimp and a bad pimp, right? Yeah. What, what's your, what's your, what's your viewpoint of? Because everybody talk about paying their dues, right, and and being loyal, and you pay your dues. Um, when when do you? Because Voodoo talked about man, he didn't want to be an employee. He was happy, got a platinum record, 
right? But mm-hmm. he didn't want to be employed. He went to Luda. But and I want to I want to get your get your mind this on, on on as well, Voodoo. But like, how does a how does how does an artist know when it's time to close the door and in the, in the, in the do their own thing? Like like, what are some some of the ways that you can identify bad characteristics and good characteristics when you know somebody's trying to make money on it? Because a lot of times, man, in the music business, we have a problem with people making money on us. Right. And when you don't have when you don't have any experience or you don't have any connections, you don't want nobody to eat off you. Like what talk, walk us through that, man. How how to navigate how to navigate that. I mean, when as an far artist, as I, what? Oh yeah. What you want me? You want me to, you want to go first? You, want me you can go? go first and then Voodoo go second. Okay, okay, I got you. I got a well as an artist, how I look at it is like this, you know. What I mean, pretty much um Loyalty, well, as far as getting, you know, tricked, tricked in the game, I, I listen to what everybody say, you know what I mean? If, I don't know why, I just got a sponge. My brain is a sponge. So I always pay attention. Like if somebody say three days ago, hey, I'm going to do this for you, blah, blah, blah. Then we have another conference call, and then he say something else. I keep it in the back of my mind, like, wait a minute. You just said this the other day. I don't even say nothing. I just wait, you know what I mean? And then I'll go to the next conversation. I hold on to those. So you kind of got to be a sponge in this. You got to be quiet, chill, bring up stuff that you think, you know what I mean, that ain't right. But at the same time, you got to make your, your next move, your best move. So I don't like to put out too much information like that. I like to be subtle, be quiet, especially, you know what I mean, if I know, like, I feel like, you know what I mean, he ain't on nothing. But as far as, like, family, I, we didn't have, like, members of the group, you know what I mean, the people that we thought that was cool exit you know what i mean and, um that's just going that's just what it is you know god brings certain people in uh, he don't bring certain people in but you go through certain doors certain doors right. close that's that's they right. that's that's on them but as far as like how i look at it man you just gotta i can't it's, it's experience based you know what i mean i'm just a sponge to the game i've learned a lot i've been through a lot so i just hold on a lot of information and i'm listening to what somebody say that's what i can say to an artist pay attention to what people telling you your managers publishers pr whatever and then you know what I mean you, you you come back to that and then you was that against them later on. You know what I mean? That's how I do it. You know what I mean? That's how I found out who playing, who BS, who real, who ain't. You feel me? That's what I do. You feel me? So voodoo. Same Sir. question, bro. The the, the Lord to peace characteristics, because man, you don't you don't move through few people. Mm. Um, and you mentioned that you didn't want to be an employee no more. Like unpack that. Why not? Why why? What what happened without without anything messy, but just giving us a high, a bird's eye view of why you decided you wanted to be an independent, right? Because some people, man, would rather get 60000 on the label because in the music business, man, people talk about there's a difference between you, do you want to be rich or do you want to be famous? The two don't have anything to do with each other, right? <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Walk, walk me through the, the loyalty piece and why you decided that you didn't want to be an employee. Well, right now, you know, this year we celebrating 50 years of hip hop. And then also, you know, in this day and time, like my, my son also produces beats. Uh, what's happening right now is the information age. So when you can learn the easy way based off of some of these artists and what they went through with their contracts, you know, uh, you look at YouTube nowadays, you can see what, say, for example, what Manny Fresh went through with Cash Money from a producer standpoint. So if you can learn a lot of these things off the podcast or off the um, YouTube and kind of figure out what was going on and why people went through what they went through in this day and age, to answer your question, it's like you have to have the knowledge of the game to really 
be able to maneuver through this because if you just let somebody tell you something, you're going to get screwed regardless because you don't have that information. And the more information that you soak up, like Dan was saying, like a sponge, the more you have better decision-making skills. And then you'd be mm-hmm. like, okay, they offering this, but when I know that investing in myself is going to cost more, if they offer me 60000 I know if I know this information, I know once I get that 60000 A, I'm going to have to pay taxes. B, I'm going to have to try to budget this money as a living expense for a whole year. And if I want to keep this lifestyle maintained, how am I going to make this 60000 work for me by the time it's already spent? There's no point in me getting this money because it's already gone and I owe it and I'm going to owe it with interest. So I'm really getting screwed three times around. If you don't know this information, you can't make that calculated decision. Facts. You know, so um, a lot of times also, you know, cats will not understand the overall aspect of what they're doing as artists as far as writing, publishing, royalties, and, and what is included. And, you know, if you can't read a contract, I'm not faulting you for not being able to read a contract, but you need to be smart enough to let somebody else that's professional help you with that contract. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so when, when you know this information, like I said, you can make a better calculated decision. But I think nowadays, to answer your question, the more you know about this business and understand this 90% business and 10% talent, if you can get that in your mind and understand that, you'll make better decisions and kind of learn the easy way and not have to look over your shoulder like, damn, am I going to owe this person this money? Because getting a record getting a record deal is a, the equivalent to a loan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Facts. Facts. Yeah. Now, what popped in my head as you was talking? Mm-hmm. Artists have a problem. Um, what 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 is the selfishness about from an artist perspective and a producer when you put somebody on? Because it's, it's two sides of this, right? One side is okay. You make a track, and the person, man, that is um, that's putting you on. They really hadn't made anything in your track, but they turn around and just change the symbol so they can get a piece of your publishing. As an mm-hmm. artist, you and Voodoo been working together, right? Mm-hmm. Y'all been together over 10 years. Now, Voodoo has been with Luda, you know, T.I., different people. So I know Voodoo know about the publishing. You mm-hmm. been with several people. Right, dealing with mm-hmm. you know not only the Bumbies and the Lil Johns and the and the, and, and and the Jim Jones and like John B. John B. How, mm-hmm. how how do you guys have to talk about? Do you guys talk about man when you do a song together, and you're a producer, you the artist? Do y'all got to go back and forth about who get what? Nah, <laughs> unpack that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we ain't even we. It's like, man, we already know where you you know you got. I'm gonna let Voodoo explain it first, and I'm gonna go on what I want to go in. This is the part I'll be hating. You feel me? But see, honestly though, I with with Dayon, I can't lie. I'm biased and I'm spoiled because with Dayon is is there's no negotiating and no going back and forth and figuring nothing out because we we equal partners in like 90 percent oh, of what we do. Stop! Stop for a second. Repeat that again. Me and Dayon are equal partners, but that's 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 not the norm. Like it's right. very it's very hard to find an artist that's a boss and a brand that understands the business part of it that can also executive produce with you. A lot of artists ain't gonna executive produce shit. Excuse my friends. They're not trying to executive produce nothing. They try not trying to give up nothing. They feel like 
you owe them something and you're supposed to give them something and don't even understand why are you getting 50 percent of the publishing because i wrote the song you didn't write the song i wrote the lyrics no my writing of the actual notes on that song in respect to how ASCAP and BMI works, I wrote those, that actual music to that song. Mm-hmm. If you take your lyrics off, 50% of that song is my music. Correct. Mm-hmm. Unless you one person on that song, you would get your 50%. But if you got three of the artists on that song, y'all got to figure out what percentage y'all split in respect to each verse and the hook. Yeah. So, so what? So why do artists feel as though, man, they should get all the record? Because I, I run into that uh, quite a bit, um, and they seem to not really understand the hard the hard work that it, it takes to make records, especially mm-hmm. when you when you make great records. How, how like like Dayon, like how what's the mindset of an artist that can't really comprehend the way you and Voodoo roll from an artist perspective? I'm gonna be real with you. First and foremost, a lot of these artists don't even know what ASCAP and BMI is. It's crazy. The roadblock that I ran into in these last like uh, projects we've been releasing, you would be surprised. And we got a team. I love them. I didn't put them up on game. Me and Voodoo didn't put them up on game. A lot of these, but even some of the producers and the artists, they ain't had no ASCAP, no BMI. I'm like, bro, you can't even try to be no rapper if you don't, you taking it. You ain't even taking it serious. You don't know about ASCAP and BMI, bro. You gotta have, you know I mean, they don't even know that part of the game yet. So I'm I'm glad that me and Voodoo can be a teacher at the same time because we can actually screw them if we wanted to on some BS. Man, they don't know nothing about no publishing in the block. Let's go ahead and take advantage. We ain't known that. We gotta teach y'all the ropes. That way y'all know when y'all dealing with it on your own, y'all can work with it and pass it down to somebody else. But a lot of these artists out here don't even know about no publishing or no, you know, no ASCAP, no BMI. They don't even got an ASCAP or BMI, so it's crazy. So from that aspect, I think a lot of these artists just, they so geeked up and excited about making music, they don't want to learn the business. See, I had to learn the business, working with Voodoo, working with other people. I had to take some time off, brush myself up with, with, with the business aspect, and then come back to the music. I had to literally take some time off in between recording and all of that just to learn some of that stuff. A lot of these artists, they don't even want to take advantage of that. They don't even want to think and use their brain because they like, you know what I mean? That They want somebody else to do that. Not get it if you don't want to do that, but you got to be able to put your, your brain around that if you want to be in this industry, if you want to last, you feel me? So, so um, Voodoo, how mm-hmm. is it, how is it? Um, there you go. How yeah, that is, phone. Huh? No, you good. It, had, it had went out for a second. Oh, I did? Okay. How is it that as a as a music producer, you produce with other people um, and, and just say somebody that actually that you signed on and want to actually, man, take your, just take your publishing. You know, they didn't make anything. They want to change instruments. Like, where did that come from? Like, like, uh, you know, what's the, you know, how, how does that make you feel? Because I don't ran, I ran into that early in my career when you run into somebody, man, who, who didn't make anything. Right, and and they want to change the snare drum, or, <laughs> right? But they you know what's crazy? That's not, crazy. Not, not to cut you off, but just to answer your question, and everybody listening to this uh, interview right now need to understand that a lot of times when I, when I went through that, it was big dogs and gatekeepers that was bullies, bro. Facts. I've never had that happen with anybody that was a, a, a producer that was like working with me on a collective, um, I would say, entertainment side or creative side mm-hmm. it's always been like the bullies that want to come in and tell you 
how your music is supposed to sound, mm-hmm. and they want to do this and do that. We had me and Dan had a um, we're not gonna mention his name, but we had a, a high power cat that was heavy in the game that wanted to tell us how to produce the record, and he yeah. wanted to have production credit on the record yeah. for something that was so minuscule as a snare, like you said, bro. And anytime I've experienced that has been with major label people that come in and want to have that that change and get their credit on that. I've never had that with people in my same mm-hmm. circle of producers or nothing like that. Mm-hmm. It's almost a respect thing. It's been it's been gatekeepers that's wanted to do that and major labels that wanted to do that. I've never had that happen with any independent people ever. Like that's that that's kind of huge, man, because you still see a lot of people, man, out here because they really don't understand the music business. And, you know, it's still those arguments are still happen, believe it or not, mm-hmm. under, under the sector of independent artists. Right. Yeah. Because you get somebody, man, who got a little bit of money, like he ain't super rich, but he got a little bit of money. You know, I even seen engineers with engineers, man, because they know three or four other people. Right, that can can walk in the door and say, "Well, hey, I'm gonna get you this meeting with this person, and then I need you to give me X amount of uh, percent of your publishing." Right, so so th- the music business has changed quite a bit. We're not really getting money, man, through streaming. Um, mm-hmm. What what can you tell new producers that are right now trying to do music um, and they don't know where to go? What what is the first thing they should be doing? Oh, you want me to answer that first? Mm-hmm. As far as as far as the production side, like I'm never going to um, shun getting a placement through a major because that helps you, you know, with your publishing and your grandkids. Grandkids get you up your publishing your royalties, mm-hmm. but it's very slim. It's very short, and it's probably going to take forever for you to get that money because corporate money moves slow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, you might do a track for somebody in 2023 and might not get paid in 2027. I'm just going to speak to keep Facts. it real with you. Mm-hmm. And to start off. Try to get as much money up front as possible. That way, you know, if that track doesn't uh, grow legs, at least you got some upfront money for it. And it's going to be this thing called a produ- producer's declaration. If it still exists in the music industry, it's this thing called producer's declaration when you're responsible for everything from the sample, anything that's corresponding with that record, you have to pretty much sign off. Mm-hmm. And a producer's declaration back when I was working with Def Jam is you was responsible for how much time it took in the studio to produce that record to get it done. Mm-hmm. But nowadays, it's a situation to where you can produce in your draws in an attic or in the basement. You got to worry about going to the studio and paying $300 an hour. You can produce a track for $0.30 cent an hour and give it to the label, you know, saying if they accept your masters, accept your um, your stems or whatever. Mm-hmm. Back then, it wasn't like that. So to answer your question, the game has changed. And to really make that kind of money, especially working with independent artists, mm-hmm. you want to try to get as much money up front. And don't take up three points or four points or even 12 points. Try to get a 50-50 split with that artist independently to say look i i gave this part of the song you gave this part of the song let's split this down down the middle like bosses now if they're giving you some upfront money up front then you can say well i'll take a smaller percentage because you're showing me that you want to invest in yourself and buy this track Mm -hmm. but if you're not giving me no money up front why should i take a small percentage correct correct Mm -hmm. or no Mm -hmm. percentage or no percentage right and one thing i'm gonna say too publishing is always negotiable because when you let somebody exploit your publishing, they can take it to the next level and take it where you can never take it. Just having a publisher a company don't mean shit. Right. But if you mm-hmm. have somebody that can exploit your publishing, you can give some of that up. But never, ever, 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 ever give up any percentage of your writers. 
because your writers is directly in tune with who you are and what you wrote. Nobody can take a percentage of your writers because they didn't write anything. Correct. Correct. You know, they can take my publishing because publishing is publishing to make a long story short is the exploitation of your talent. It means that I'm going to tap into the resources or pay to get your things on major platforms like TV shows, movies, uh, talk shows, uh, commercials, video games. I'm going to use my resources and charge you a fee or percentage mm-hmm. to get you this publishing. And I want a big part of that because you couldn't do this on your own. With publishing, it's like, what are you doing for me that I can't do for myself? Right. I can publish this, meaning that I can get it out there. Right. Negotiate mm-hmm. that. Never give up a super big percentage, but sometimes you might have to give up 50%. I'd rather get 50% of something than 100% of nothing. Damn, damn, you, 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 a lyricist, you, you do a lot. I mean, you're writing, your pen is, your pen is on swole. Like, like, t- tell, tell me your experience that you have when you wrote for someone and then they don't want you to really get money from what you wrote. What was your experiences with that? Mm, I'm going to be honest with you. I can't, rec- I can't recall a situation like that. You feel me? Like as far as me, uh, them, you know, what I mean, uh, not not want to uh, give me no percentage or nothing like that. You feel me? I think I did some assistant work with uh, was it like CC Pennington? I did the um course for Voodoo. I wrote for her the same, but she was all love. She, you know, what I mean, she wasn't tripping. She um let me get my uh, she was equal with everything. She wasn't like oh, I'm CC Pennington and none of that. So when he uh, Voodoo plugged that, but no, I ain't really had no problem with that. You know, what I mean, as far as that that aspect, you feel me? So, so you, so when you do your songwriter split sheets, are you actually, are you guys talking about that figure before you go into the studio, or are you talking? Nah, about that? Well, really, you really, you know, what I'm saying, yeah, because sometimes it is like shocking. After we get done doing the record, and I get in, and I'm like, all right, once we didn't recorded the record, it's a banger. We leave the studio three weeks later, or a month, two months later, when it's time to get ready to put it out. I'm like, hey man, I got to get ready to register the song. Boom, boom. What's your ass cap? Oh, what's what's ass cap? You don't got no ass cap. You mean we went to the studio? We ain't you. So then I got to explain to my. They got to go get an ass cap. I got to set them up. So that's why I'm saying I ain't really had that problem. The problem I really had is people not having no ass cap and no BMI. Three, four, five months later, when we get ready to put the record out, you know what I mean. Then we gotta go through all of that and then figure it out. You know what I'm saying? But I ain't had no problems. Like man, no, I need to get more than you and all that. Nah, because I'm bringing them the knowledge. A lot of the people that I work with. They don't, I'm telling you, a lot of these artists, you'll be shocked. I know y'all know. A lot of these artists, man, you ask the average artist that's out here roaming around, a lot of them, they don't got no no uh, ASCAP, no no BMI to begin with, no publishing company to begin with, you feel me? So I really ain't ran across that problem yet. You so know? so Voodoo, when you're working with an artist, like how, like how's the songwriter split sheets? Y'all discuss that, man, before y'all study. When y'all come, when artists say, hey, I want to I want to produce, man. I want you to produce a few records, man, on the track. Uh, that I want to do some songs on the album. Do you talk about the songwriters a split sheet up front? Do you talk about the splits up front? You know, it just is it based on relationship or somebody you don't know? You know, do you send them like how? What's your process on making sure the songwriter split sheets get done? If it's if it's a client, and we set up a kind of like a contract, it'll have it in the contract based off of uh, what the seller of the track is. Mm-hmm. If it's one of my artists that I'm working with independently, we're doing some stuff together. A lot of times that process doesn't start until we end the record because sometimes we can change up things. The final mm-hmm. mix is not done. Once the final yeah. mix is done and we're ready to try to release it, 
or promoted to put it out, that's when we're like, okay, let's go ahead and try to make this happen. We had that same situation happen with um with Montel Jordan. I was working with Montel Jordan, and the artist wanted to use his song as a writer's part of it, but not as the actual audio. He wanted Montel Jordan to write the song for him. He just wanted to redo it. So when the contract came up, of course, as a producer, I'm a little biased because usually I always get the same percentage no matter what because the writers have to split whatever. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I can negotiate and say, look, let's say if there's six people on there, we want to make it fair. I don't want to just keep 50% because I want them to be able to eat as well. So I'll say, well, I'll take 30 and y'all can split the other 70 amongst y'all, six people or five people or whatever. But traditionally and just mechanically, those are supposed to be 50% for the producer now as a writer that wrote part of the hook. Sometimes I see a lot of arguments because let's say if Dan do three verses or two verses and his feature does a verse, but then another cat come in and do the hook. The cat that wrote the hook be trying to get 30%. Like, dude, you can't get 30% because you only wrote something that's copy and pasted. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> that's just yeah. how it is. Yeah. But, some, yeah. but some cats yeah. feel like the hook is the main part of the song, which is understandable. But you got to look at the mechanics of a song. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, that's how it is sometimes. So, so yeah. how, do, how, how do you guys feel, man, with the way the industry is going? Um, right now, a lot of the record labels, man, are on the streaming companies, right? You mm-hmm. don't, you really don't make money from streaming, right? Where do you foresee, in your opinion, how artists are going to be able to make money? Like, what, 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 what do artists need to focus on how to make money? Is it the merch? Is it building their own fan base? So they have super fans, um, you know, and... You know, in talking about the major labels, they are trying to still trying to get, trying to get money by owning these streaming companies. Do you foresee internet ever changing? I think you, uh, go you, you go first. I'll come. I'll come behind. Okay. Um. I think honestly, man. See, right now, rappers come a dime a dozen. Actually, it's probably more than that. They probably come a penny a dozen, bro. Mm-hmm. And anybody can put out music whenever they want to put out music. Mm-hmm. And the record labels have figured out a way to literally cap you. If you're not signed with a major record label or a major independent, you're going to be capped. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. care how many bots you use, what technology you use. I don't care if you got a thousand people oh, that's so, so, streaming so, at the same time. So we, I need you to break that down. When you say capped, like let's break that down for somebody who don't understand what capping. What do you mean capped? What do you, what you mean to tell me is that if I go and spend my money on YouTube and I go and put my money on a record and and you know I'm going to be capped? Like what does that mean? You can take if you had a million dollars right now, and you go invest that on Facebook ads, Instagram ads. You did an actual. That's you can even do a TV commercial on the Super Bowl the major record labels are going to give you a certain amount. They're going to cap you. And when I mean cap, they're only going to give you so many streams per day because they don't want you competing with their billboard status or their artists. They're not going to let you do it. It's just like back in the day when we had payola issues at record, at record labels and radio stations. How are you going to be a small guy off the street with a little bit of money going to come in and get the number one through 10 spot on the radio when all these major labels have their people in the place already? You're not going to be able to do it. You can build yourself up to where they come looking for you and say, look, you're doing a really good job. We want to now sign you, put you under our label and give you a deal. That's the leverage that you can use to get a major deal to stop getting capped. But it's nothing wrong with getting capped. That just lets you know you're doing a good job. But you have limitations on how much you're going to be able to make. Now, you might be able to make on each platform 100000 a year times whatever platform. But if you want to go past that, you're going to have to sign with a major. You're not going to get around it. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, go ahead, Dion. 
I think, you know what I mean, the main the main ingredients to uh artists to get their money, obviously, you know what I mean, it's is it's merch. You know, merch is a big deal. You gotta have all kind of like supplies when you're doing these shows and stuff like that. And just creating that uh that cult following, man. A lot of people try to you gotta kind of get your own like circle, you know what I mean, cult following, build your own world. I was just telling this to one of my guys, he's so worried about family and friends not streaming and stuff. I'm like, bro, for First and foremost, you're not doing it for, you got to remember, they, don't worry about your cousins and sisters and brothers them streaming. If they stream, cool. You got the world to reach, you know what I mean? You got to get out here and get those people because them the ones that's going to make your music go around full service where you can get money and you got to build that core fan base that love your music, that that brag about you when they going out. Man, you heard of this dude. Matter of fact, you got they want to brag about you so much, but they want to keep you in, uh, inside too to where they don't even want to share you with a lot of people. You know what I mean? That's how them diehard fans be. So I was telling him, breaking it down, like, man, you need to build your own core fan base. Worry about that. Just kind of capitalizing off of that and just building a nucleus of people that can that, bring them into your world, build your own world. So that's what I would advise artists to do. And once you build that little world of people that, you know what I mean? That that love your music, that's gonna speak for itself. You're gonna begin to create revenue, generate money. That you ain't gonna have to go nowhere else because everybody gonna be stuck to you. You ain't really gotta go outside of the box. You can make so much money within them, within those that, that little click that you have, and then you good. You know what I mean? That's how I feel like you know what I mean you should do it and not worry about some people so many people trying to go for the gusto. But like I said, merch, building your own nucleus, artist, I mean uh, fans that love you. You know, and I think that's that's the way to go. You know, what I mean, don't try to go too big. You know, what I mean, don't limit yourself, but don't try to go too big. Just keep it to a small, you know, what I mean, standard, and you're gonna be good. You feel me? And to yeah. piggyback off of uh, Dion, a good percentage of your fans, I would say, majority of your real fans are not gonna know who the hell you are. Mm -hmm. They're they're gonna be the people that's in Orlando, yeah. uh, Ireland some other place that they love hip hop, but they're not going to know who you are. Never been to high school with you. Don't know your mama, don't know your daddy, don't know nothing about you. Those yeah. are going to be the people that's going to really rock with you because it's not anything that's connected to you. That's a, a deterrent. You know, our culture, they don't like to see people win. So mm -hmm. I'm not, I, I take that back. I don't want to speak that negative narrative, but some of it is true. People, when they For know sure. you, they like, nah, man, I, my, my cousin rap. So why am I going to support this dude? My 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 brother do beats. Uh, my cousin, yeah, yeah, yeah. my my sister got a single out. So I ain't about to support this dude because everybody yeah, yeah. want to do the same thing. Right. Yeah. And it's like a hometown mentality or uh, you know, crafting right. a bucket mentality. Facts. To where it's like I don't want to see you grow because my my woman might see you ride around the Bentley and I don't want to be looking stupid because I got a Honda. Like it's mm -hmm. just it's the way it is. You know what I'm saying? So people don't know you. They don't have that attachment, so they're gonna be like, Okay, yeah, I like this cat. He's from Beloit. I ain't never been there before. And you paint this picture of where you from, and they want to go investigate and see it because you paint the picture as an artist. If they from Beloit, they're gonna be like, Man, I went to high school with dude, I ain't about to support this dude. Yeah, yeah. This is how it yeah. is. Yeah. So 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 how did you get on your grind, Dayan? Because one of the things that Voodoo and I was talking about before you got on was like that you thorough. You grind, you 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 kind of, you very, very serious man about your craft. Like, what was the turning point that made you serious? I know you ain't always been serious. Nobody just no nobody is born serious. What what kicked you in the behind and say, hey man, I'm I gotta I gotta get better. I gotta be intentional. I gotta I gotta be consistent. I ain't gonna lie, when I, I think when I jumped off the porch and went to Vegas, one thing I'll say about Voodoo, it was a difference. And, and shout out my guy Dale too. 
he he worked with us. He used to work with us. Still one of our guys. But uh, before we went to Vegas, he like, bro, you 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 be in the studio doing your thing. You, you definitely dope with it. But Voodoo gonna help produce you. It's a difference. People be thinking they can just get in there and rap. You know what I mean? But actually, I didn't know nothing about being produced. You know what I'm saying? Like getting in there and you I already had the skills to rap and do all of that. But when I got in there with him, he like, no, 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 no. Bring that up. Say that. You know what I mean? It was certain stuff that's being produced. So he took me to a new level as far as that. You know what I mean? Then once I got to Vegas and I seen out how he's working with me, that opened up another door, in my another box in my brain and allowed me to flourish. You know what I'm saying? And, and grab other stuff. So, you know what I mean? Just me going to Vegas. Then after that, gradually building, seeing different stuff. You know what I mean? You got to get up out of your, your little city. That ain't going to happen. People think they're going to blow in their city. You got to move. Once you move, it'll come back. You know what I'm saying? But you got to get up out of there. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's just what it is. So just me being able to see different stuff, being produced, you know what I mean? And then gradually just connecting the dot. One door open. Moved up, start connecting with Arthur McArthur. He helped and helped a lot too. You know what I'm saying? And then just gradually building with so, so many artists. CC. John B, uh, uh, you know, everybody that kind of helped build this little machine. But I started off being produced with him. And that's what made me take it to that next level as far as like, damn, I really feel like now once I've seen that product, mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's over with now. I'm all confident now because now I see I didn't created a monster with what I already had. Then I connected with him. Now I feel like I'm unstoppable. So it just kept snowball effect. You feel me? That's it. I think it's I think there's levels to it also because with Dan from personal experience. It was like when he went after he came back from Spain, he went international with it. Mm -hmm. That yep. put a different fire up under him because also that gave him an incentive. It was like a, it was like a crack a crack addict. They want more. They after that first high, you try mm -hmm. to chase that first high over and over again. And when he went overseas, it was a different day and I came back because he was like, man, when I went over there, it was a different element. Then we did stuff in the UK. Yeah. It was just like when you yep. leave America, it's a different type of artist you become. Your work ethic change. You want to build more. You want to get more. And I think that's another level. He was already was disciplined, but I think to answer his question for him, as far as getting really serious, I think going overseas and getting that that love, and, and seeing that overseas, you know, uh, you know, market was just crazy for him and made him even even tighter as an artist. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That overseas market was I, I forgot about that. Is one uh, thing that uh that contributed to 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 me uh being who I am as an artist too. You know what I'm saying? That for sure, for sure. Yeah. So, so switching gears, man, over to the at the, the the production aspect, right? Like, so you get a lot of a lot of these software companies when it comes to plugins that they're, they're trying to go, uh, they're trying to get rid of perpetual licenses. They want you to do subscription stuff. Um, you know, from your opinion, right? Do you have a certain like? So, I'm a I'm a Studio One guy. Like I was using Reason, I never felt Reason was good enough to kind of mix and master in Reason. So I don't mix and master in Reason. I do produce in Reason. Um, do you have a certain set of tools, man, that you use uh, for your music, and then you kind of bounce back and forth? Like you know, I use Studio One. Uh, I primarily do a lot of stuff in Studio One. You know, obviously I use MPCX, but um, but do you have a specific set of tools that you use? to make your music, man? And, and and then if you do, like, why? Like, why do you use that, per se? Uh, recently, I've been using, you know, a DAW or, like, you know, technical stuff as far as the computer goes. I didn't want to switch over. I'm not going to lie. I didn't want to do it. But I said, you know what? I got to learn this, and I have to figure out what's the, the day and time techniques. 
But before what I was doing, I always I always missed the pros tools even since 2001. My first track out that I did, one, I'm not going to say the only one. one. One of the first track outs I did was the song Georgia that I did. I tracked that out in, in Pro Tools back then. And then we took that to Patchworks and they mixed the master and Atlanta at Patchworks. But I was doing stuff on our board here. I was using different um, keyboards and then tracking it the old school way, the long ass way, each track one at a time until the Pro Tools, right? But eventually, you know, I, I, I went to the computer. I didn't want to. But as an old school cat that liked the artwork in the audio in the audio sound and the um, analog sound, I try always Pro Tools was always that program that I used to do the final product. Then I just incorporated Reason. I use Reason now. Um, and what I but at the end of the day, I want to go through Pro Tools regardless, unless I send those stems from Reason to another engineer that's going to polish it up and do whatever. But if I'm doing majority of my production. Is going to be in reason, but I've never recorded vocals in reason. I've never mastered in reason. I mixed, I pre-mixed in reason, mm -hmm. but I always like taking that to Pro Tools because of the sample rate that's in Pro Tools, the professionalism, and then also being to send that, those files to a professional engineer that's going to put out the last final product in Pro Tools. So, so I, I've been using Pro Tools, man. For I started on Pro Tools for a lot for a lot of years. But I I think pro you know avid well digital design at the made just made me mad right because mm -hmm. you 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 at the time man you had to pay so much money to lock, unlock all your tracks right um, and <laughs> you you just every time that you needed to expand you had to pay this exorbitant amount of money to expand and I kind of felt liberated man when I actually went to Studio One it took Studio One a minute to come to come aboard but the the song Georgia. We talk about the song Georgia, right? We mentioned that a few clicks back. How did that song come about? What did you make that song going? And like how, how did you get that opportunity to do that song? Um, for a lot of you producer heads out there, if I mention this, you're gonna know. If you don't know, you don't know. I did that track on a chord triton, and I sampled it with the chord triton and I chopped everything up. I made my own sample kits on the Chord Triton. You know what I'm saying? Before that, I was using an Insonic TS-10. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, if you don't know, you don't know. Bro, I had, that, a, that, I had, hey, I had the, S, I had the Insonic SD-1. Keep going, bro. Yeah, and the, at the time, the, the ASR-10 was the shit. Like, Kanye used the ASR-10. A lot of producers, even back then, the Boom Bab and all the, you know, the Buster Rhymes beat the Jay Dillas, they used ASR-10s, but I don't want to get on that. We've been talking about that for hours. But to make a long story short, I did on the core Triton and I tracked it out for Pro Tools, but I did that track, you know, in my crib. And I was like, it was an inception. And my son told me a couple of days ago, he was like, Dad, it's crazy how when your thoughts come into your head, how those thoughts can turn into it changing your life off of one track. And that's what happened. I was like, you know, around the time I was doing that, that wasn't my first song with Luda. My first track with Luda was uh, Large Amounts off the Red Light District soundtrack, I mean, um, album. And I sampled mm -hmm. um, Oliver. I, I sampled Oliver Twist on that song. But to get back to Georgia, after I did the um, Larger Mouse track, I was like, "Damn, what better song for Ludacris and somebody from Atlanta to have a song that's an anthem for Georgia?" 
Because at the time, ATO was crazy. They was fire. It was, they was the number one. Mm-hmm. Well, they still are now. But at the time, they was like at their pinnacle. And I was like, man, if I do a track that had Georgia in the sample, that would be dope. And the reason I got the inspiration is I had a Ray Charles record. And around that same time, Jamie Foxx, ironically, was doing all the impersonations of Jamie Foxx because he was doing the movie. And that was an inspiration because he did um, Gold Digger. Mm-hmm. And... Um, he was sounding like Ray Charles on the Gold Digger record. So I was like, man, Kanye was kind of making me mad at the time because me and Kanye is around the same time frame. And I was like, man, I can make, I can do the same thing. I can, whatever. And I had my own style, but I was like, man, I can make a track that's going to be an anthem. So let me try this and see how this come out. Have my own little swag I put to it. You know, just presented to Luda. It was, it was over from that point, point on. And that point on, Field Mob had got on the record. But at the original record was a sample of Ray Charles. Jamie Foxx was nowhere to be heard of. But then, this I don't make it, make it too long, but what happened is the record got leaked on accident. And they were like, bro, we have to do something because we're going to get sued. So they was like, man, the record caught fire down at ATL. The first time they played it was at um, Magic City. And it caught fire. And all the DJs started playing the original version, like the demo version with the Ray Charles sample. Def Jam hit us up like, man, we got to figure out how to change this up. So what better person to be Ray Charles at the time than Jamie Foxx? They went and got Jamie Foxx to put Field Mob on there. Field Mob is ridiculous. Field Mob got on the record. You know, um, I sent back my stems. Polo to Dawn replayed some of it for me so we don't have to worry about the, uh, um, what's it called? Um, the sample clearance part of it, the partial sample clearance, the interpolation part of it. So Polo to Dawn, at the same, at, if people don't know Polo to Dawn, Polo to Dawn put on Rich Boy. You throw some D's on that, that's mm-hmm. to me produced. He was in the studio with Luda. He's him and Luda are like like best friends, pretty much. Polo the Don. Um, he also produces with Timbaland and Kerry Hilson. If you guys don't know who Polo the Don is, mm-hmm. big shout out to Polo the Don. So he kind of helped polish up the rest of that. I sent in the stems at the last minute. He just helped sequence the track so we can get it moving. So Dev Jam would approve it. They brought in Jamie Foxx. They sent me a couple versions of the last part of the mix. I really didn't like Jamie Foxx being on there because I was salty that. I'm like, why Jamie Foxx don't sign the way he signed on Kanye joint? I was pissed off. But my lawyer was like, my lawyer was like, man, take this L, get mm-hmm. your credit, and just keep it moving. And me taking that L at the time got me a grant, my first Grammy nomination, so I can't complain. Mm-hmm. All dope, man. Listen, man, I, I, we could stay here all night long. Um, and I got I got a billion questions, but we're gonna have to do a part two. Yes, have, we're gonna do I'm a part two. No, we're gonna we're gonna have to do a part two, man, because it's so, it's so much to might be, It might be a part three. Maybe a part three because I I kind of want to. I, I like to try to keep these man podcasts about hour because about hour long somebody's their attention span won't won't be farther than that, man. But we we're gonna do a part two because I want to unpack, man. Just uh, you know your situation with Luda. I want to unpack Dayon's man situations. Um, you know, and 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 just how a lot of the a lot of his thinking, how things kind of went, but um the last few minutes, Dion, tell me if if you gotta give somebody a life experience that you've been through, right? That that changed yeah. your life, give me your top three things that you can tell another artist that can help them be great. Uh, that's that's right now frustrated, discouraged. Uh, right now with this music thing. With 
what I would say right now, as far as like one of the most things that probably would be like discouraging is contra contracts. You know what I mean? A lot of these artists be worried about getting signed. They worried about getting deals with majors and all of that. I don't think that's a, you shouldn't really worry about signing with a major label. I think you get your stock up, build your presence. You know what I mean? Right now we in the new world, we in the new age of uh, independence is a new major. So I feel like, you know what I mean? A lot of artists get discouraged. They want to be top dog. They want to be with Def Jam, Interscope, Blase Blase. I think if right now, if you just stick to the script, you ain't got to have all the biggest bag. Some artists get discouraged with putting money, putting a lot of money up and they, ain't, they don't have the money like that. You know what I mean? So I think you just got to stick to the script. Just, you know what I mean? Build your fan base as it comes. And then, you know, gradually it'll, it'll be a snowball effect. And then if you do, if you are into like getting a contract or something from an artist, I mean, from a label or independent com company, you got to watch out for that contract. You know what I mean? Because there's some stuff that I went through, too, you know what I mean, with my old label. You know what I mean? We got to fix it's good, but I didn't find out until like probably like two years ago. You feel me? That I was still getting credit and uh, royalties on some stuff that I didn't even know about. You know what I mean? So I had to kind of go backtrack that or whatnot. So that, that had me heated. I was real upset about that, but we cleared that up. You know what I mean, I got all of that stuff situated. So that's one of that's two things. And the third thing, what I would say is, uh, you know, that that'll probably be the main things that I would say. You feel me? I feel like anything else, you know, I, I don't really, I don't really see anything else that uh, it's a lot of different things, but those are two major keys that I think that that could help artists right now. You feel me? For sure. Voodoo. Mm -hmm. Your top three things, man, that you can give a, a producer, man, that's 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 discouraged right now, uh, that's probably using uh, equipment, man, that, that maybe he can't, he feel like, man, he don't have the latest and the greatest and uh, won't placements and stuff like that. What's your top three things that you, you, you tell producers, man, that's right now that's frustrated with the game right now? I think... Uh... One of the top three things is just making sure to continue to create, you know, because you can have a lot of songs that are just sitting on the shelf or whatever. And it's just like you never know what song is going to do what. A lot of people don't want to get their stuff away for free. But the more you give another artist to plant a seed on your track and y'all make a marriage, make a baby with that record, you never know what can happen from that record. A lot of times you got to do stuff for free just to put it out there and never know where it's going to go. I wouldn't encourage cats to get on here and sell they, you know, songs on these small platforms for like thirty dollars a piece. But if you selling, if you got a hundred people doing that, that's three thousand dollars. But you got to understand you're selling yourself short doing that as well. And number two thing is, the more you understand the business part of it and the aspect of the business, you'll feel better about making decisions because you'll know about the ins and outs of not getting screwed over. You know, saying what you deserve, what you're supposed to get. And then the third part is. Or number three thing is, if you're doing this for a hustle and you really don't genuinely love this, I would say stop doing it. You know, find you another. If you if you just want to make money, there's nothing wrong with hustling and making money. But for me, this is not a hustle. This is a lifestyle. This is a love. This is the passion. If you're doing it just for the just for the money, you need to become somebody's manager or help another producer get them out there and get the bag. As a producer, you should mainly be worried about somebody enjoying your creation and the gift that God gave you being able to have somebody else write to what you produce to like uh, launch something that's inside their brain. Like when I give Dan a track, I don't know what he's going to put on it. Unless, unless I give him an idea for the hook, he's going to make his own hook, his own verse. 
if I send him a beat that I thought was an angry beat, if the energy is there, he might go some, somewhere totally different. But that's the, the, the creation of, of God that comes with two artists, producer and artist or writer and what vice versa. When you put a track out there, I get high off another person hearing what I did and creating a whole nother song or lane with that song. And that's that's creating. That has nothing to do with money. Of course, the money is going to come. But when you focus on creating, the money will come. That's mm -hmm. a fact. So, you know, uh, you, right now, you got this album out, Purple Pain, right now. Um, yeah. It's, it's streaming on all platforms. You can go pick this up right now. It's streaming right now. Voodoo, how many records you got on this album? Man, we didn't do any records. I, I forgot how many I got on that joint, to be honest with you. Yeah, uh, we got maybe, so many maybe, records. Man, maybe two or three. I got um, a yeah. tune tape. Tune tape is more like a was like an EP. That's he got a catalog that's crazy. So when you go to Spotify or Apple Music, we have uh stuff on there that's kind of related to each other. We're doing like a different phase of albums that we're putting out, and Dan yeah. has over like 500 songs, and it's just like it's just hard trying to figure out which one to put out at the right time. And he's not just doing music that's like now, he's done stuff that you know, a lot of timeless records that we have to kind of figure out like when he releases because he's constantly upgrading his catalog. Dayon, what one thing that's kind of annoying to me with Dayon is Dayon to get mad about some stuff that nobody has ever heard. I'm like, Dayon, look, they've never heard this. They don't know how this is supposed to sound or what it is because yeah. they've never heard it. He'll get a song mixed and mastered and won't release it because he got so much stuff. And and to make a long story short, it's a it's a it's like a a a a, a good problem to have because Dayon likes to stay current. He doesn't want a song. To sound outdated, so a lot of times when he makes records, he'll make them timeless. Right. And sometimes we might we, we might switch up a track as well. And I'm not a, a producer that's like when I produce like you gotta use my track. I'm I, I look at it from an executive producer standpoint. Like a lot of talented producers that me and Dayon know mm -hmm. that will do a track, and if it sounds better, if it's right for the time, we're looking out for the best interest of the movement and the brand because Dayon is a brand, not just an artist. So we're looking out for the brand, the, the brand space. And a lot of times you have artists that's supposed to be that spearheaded superhero that everybody supports. Mm -hmm. And the program that I'm with called Hip Hop Entrepreneurship Program, we teach kids about being entrepreneurs and let them know there's a lot of things under the umbrella of hip hop mm -hmm. that you can be. Every artist needs a lawyer, they need an accountant, yeah. they need a barber, they need a personal you know, a, a manager, they need an assistant, they need everything that's under the umbrella. So we teach them that if you don't know how to rap or sing or make beats, it's a lot of things that's associated with hip hop that you can learn that help that artist. Nicki Minaj has around five to ten people on her payroll that don't even write nothing. They she has a stylist, so you know what I'm saying? She has everything from an entertainment lawyer on down to somebody that does her nails. That's mm -hmm. under the umbrella of hip hop. You know what I'm saying? And we teach yeah. those kids that. Yeah. And, and and two, also, not to cut you off, uh Rico, but Voodoo, he actually got on this album. I think three joints on the new album we about to drop in a minute. Uh, Famous yet, he got one of the videos on there too with Slab. You know, Slab is with uh with Ross. He got the uh, one of the main tracks on there. That that boy hard too. So, yeah, yeah, be working for sure. So Famous yet. So when can we expect Famous yet? When when are you gonna drop? Famous yet. We just we just uh you know uh, Voodoo just did actually did the cover today. You did some work for me too as well, you know what I mean, with the skits. So, you know, and Voodoo uh, um got the artwork done. 
this Ember, shout out to him. He just sent back the uh the masters. We get all of that stuff done. So now we can go ahead and submit it. We got videos ready. I just shot another video with Blazo. Shout out Blazo. Shout out Sean. I secure. We got three uh videos ready to roll out. And this is like a bonus album. The reason we releasing this right now, we was gonna go to the million dollar voice, you know, which got Jim Jones in the game. But we like, you know what? That album is done too. That's already in the bag. But we want to get our ducks in a row for that. You know what I mean? Me and Bullet was talking like, man, I think we might want to wait a little bit, get our ducks in a row. Cause you got Jim Jones, you gotta make sure you got that, you gotta have that firepower for that when it comes to everything that's lined up for it for the rollout. So I said, you know what, damn. We were supposed to put this famous yet out about a couple years ago. Let's go in the bag and grab that. Plus, I'll add some new records. Let's get let's get this out real quick. So the fans, they actually happy because you they was asking about a couple of them. Like, yo, what's going on with the million dollar voice? We got famous yet bonus album, and we're gonna spin the block and come back with the million dollar voice right after. You feel me? So that's where we at with it. Man, that's dope. That's dope. Man, look, I appreciate y'all, man, for, for jumping on. Uh, we're gonna do this again. Uh, it is gonna be yeah. a part of part two, part three. Um, man, I appreciate because I know you guys are always busy, man. And and um, you know, because last time we was trying to hook up Voodoo, man, he was DJing, he had so much stuff, man, he had to do. And I know you yeah, everywhere yeah, yeah. as well, man. Uh, I appreciate y'all, man. Uh, and uh, let's just they hey, I'm gonna bring you back, man. Yes, we, sir. Gonna, we gonna keep it doing. Don't hold on, don't go yeah. nowhere. I'm gonna put you back over here. Don't go nowhere. Stay right there, man, for me, man. All right, all right, here we go. So uh hey. That's it, man. That's gonna that's gonna be a wrap. Appreciate you, man, for tuning in. Uh, the in the box, man, and uh, we're gonna be back again uh, with another episode real soon. Peace.